0: Well, I said this, I'll say it again God has a plan for your life. God, right now, where you are, what you're going through, He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your salvation, too. He has a plan for your ministry and calling. You are not predestined to that plan. Some churches will teach or preach predestination, meaning you were born, God decided, where you were gonna end up, where you were gonna do, you have no choice in the matter. Some are going to heaven, some are going to hell. The ones that go to heaven are called the elect and nobody can do anything about it. That is not found in the word of God. There is a plan that he has, but we are being called to that plan, invited to that plan, but it wasn't predestined. And so if you take him up on it, God will do and accomplish great things both in you and through you. And so today, I simply want to talk on this topic, God's plan. I know my plan, that's why it's crossed off, that comes easier. But God's plan. And so at the very beginning of the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church, he says this in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, "'I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other.'" And the church said, "'Amen.'" Let there be no divisions in the church. The church said, amen. Amen. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household, Chloe had an issue, I guess, have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, I guess if you want to, I should have started with that. That sounds, it makes everything, so like he's dealing with an issue, I should have said, in Wednesday nights, my dear brothers and sisters, I should, have, I should have prefaced it with that. It probably would have sounded sweeter, like the Apostle Paul, my dear brothers and sisters. He says, some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, I follow only Christ. He says, has Christ been divided into factions Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized into the name of Paul? Of course not, he says. One of the main purposes of his writing was that there were contentions among the saints of the church, and it was causing division. And so, just a little while later in his his letter, Paul clarifies something, and he says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7, he says, I have planted... Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He says, So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but it's God that gives the increase. So he makes it clear hey, it's always God it's always God. Unity was essential in that first century New Testament church, and it's just as essential in the 21st century church. If we come in and we're just interested in our own viewpoint, our own story, our own feelings, our own vision, it's not going to work here, okay? And the culture's too strong. What happens here is someone will come in and you will either go, I'm going to get on board with the vision that God's given this local assembly, or I will not come here and attend here. And even though I love every person, I want the seats full. I want to keep growing. I don't want it at the expense of losing the culture of what God's called us to be. And so unity was essential and it is essential. If we're not careful, we can make this about us instead of about him. It's so strange because when it comes to Christ and his love for us and his willingness to to sacrifice himself for us, it's always about us. It really is. He he pursues us and he gave himself for us and he shed his blood for us. He wants to fill us with his spirit, wash away our sins. It's, It's so much about us. But on the flip side of that, salvation, ministry, eternity, it's really always been about him. He is the one who paid the price. He is the one who forgives our sins. He is the one who washes our sins away. He is the one who fills us with his spirit. He is the one who's gone to prepare a place for us. He is the one who calls us into ministry and empowers us. This has been a theme that God's been speaking in this pulpit over and over and over again. And I believe it's because God is getting ready to do great Signs, wonders, miracles, miraculous things. He's going to do great things, and he's going to use you. This series on spiritual gifts, it's, it's God has a calling for you, a plan for you. He wants to do powerful things. God's calling was not to just get you to attend a church. That is not his only calling for your life. God has great things in store for you. But in doing this, we have to understand it is not about us. The miracles are not by our hands. Ministry and anointing, it can be intoxicating. If you have ever been used by God, we love the goosebumps that we feel in his presence. We love when we feel something that connects to us deeply spiritually and and, and our eyes well up with tears. We love when we minister in song or in Sunday school or in youth or in pulpit ministry and you just feel the anointing flow through you and you feel that for in that moment, I am something beyond just my own human nature but something divine is operating through me. Something powerful is flowing through me. And that there can be intoxicating. It can be almost dangerous if we don't keep ourselves at the altar because we start to go, yes, I was preaching and I did this and I laid my hand upon this person. And I, I walked over and God spoke to me and I saw this many people get the Holy Ghost, and I ended up going here, and I did this. It's—I it, understand we're, we're the conduit, and and we have to be a willing part of what God is looking to accomplish. But it's not about us. It doesn't matter how intelligent we are, how smart we are, how great of speaker or singer or teacher we are. Without the anointing in the supernatural unction of the Holy Spirit of God, it's not going to be lasting. It's not something, it, this is, it's not about me. And it's not about you, it's about him, it's his plan, his power, his calling. God shared with us his main priority when he, when he said in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but he is suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He lets us know my greatest priority is this, that everyone, everywhere should repent. When Paul looked at the Corinthian church, he says, I've planted. He was referencing back to, what does he mean? I planted. You go all the way back to Acts chapter 18, when he first sowed seed in the city of Corinth. In that 18th chapter, he lodged with a man and his wife named Aquila and Priscilla. And while there, he was teaching regularly in the synagogue and planting a church there in the city of Corinth. He then went to Ephesus, and he took Aquila and Priscilla with him. Paul was only in Ephesus a short time, and then he was departing to Jerusalem. Pledging to return, he leaves Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus. Then Paul says, Apollos watered. Well, let's take a look at that. Apollos is mentioned 10 times in Scripture. And the first time that he's mentioned is back in, guess where, Acts chapter 18, when Paul first meets Aquila and Priscilla. Apollos ended up coming to Ephesus after Paul had left. And here's a scripture that tells us about Apollos. It says in Acts eighteen twenty four. meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker. Yes, he was very good, excellent speaker, very eloquent who knew scriptures well. We got a guy who is an eloquent speaker and he knows scriptures well. Off to a good start. Sounds like he's got a ministry in front of him. He had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. It said he had been taught the way of the Lord and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit. Don't we wanna listen to somebody, nobody wants to listen to a speaker that goes, And now, if you would just turn your book, the Bible, we're going to look at another scripture today, and next week, we're going to be continuing on with this series, if you will just remain seated, and we are going to cover this part today, and the next part next week. You'd be like, we want that enthusiasm, if the speaker, remember that Bible study teachers, if the speaker's not excited about the topic. How in the world do you expect the the, the person listening, the student, to be excited about the topic? And so, Apollos, man, he's, he, well, this is exciting. He's an eloquent speaker. He knew the, the, the scriptures well. He was an enthusiastic, he had an enthusiastic spirit. And he had accuracy. However, however, where are we at? Where are we reading the NIV. I'm sure there's a reason. However, in the New Living Translation, it says he knew only about John's baptism. Why would we even mention that if it wasn't a big deal? Why does Luke take a moment going, man, this guy, he was, oh, he, he, he was talented. He was, he was an eloquent speaker. He knew the scriptures. He had enthusiasm. He was teaching accuracy. However, he only knew John's baptism. Why would you tell me that? It obviously matters. And at that point, Aquila and Priscilla, who had recently been mentored by Paul, they heard Apollo's teaching boldly in the synagogue. And scripture says this in Acts eighteen twenty six: when Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue. They took him aside. Why? Because nobody wants to be corrected in front of a public setting. They took him aside And explained the way of God more accurately, more adequately. I can't wait to hear the story of what went wrong in the computer, but it is a PC, so I understand. That was the most anointed thing I might have said today. So, Apollos, in his pride could have looked at someone and said, you can try and explain to me what I need to know. I'm eloquent. I'm being asked to preach and speak all over the place. I'm teaching the way of the Lord. I'm doing it with enthusiasm. I know God. I have experiences with God. I have a past history with God. And you're going to try and tell me where I'm lacking? Please, this is the attitude, if we're not careful, we can have this attitude. But right now, if God, based on your current relationship with God, your experience, your knowledge, if God had something more, would you be open to it? We all go, yeah, yeah, of course, absolutely. What if God has something more that's different Then what you, your personal belief system, your previous experience, what someone in your life has taught you up to this point, what if it's different than that, than what you walked into this place and God's going to give you revelation, reveal something deeper or what if it's different than that? Are you still open to it? Or do we get to a point where we go, I've been doing this a long time. I've done this, 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 and this, and I don't really think that you can give me anything additional. I pray to God that God loves me enough to not let me stay the same. I pray to God that the depth of my relationship, my knowledge, my understanding, the things I have today, I pray I'm not the same way one year from now now, if you just in case you want to pick that apart, I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking. There's certain things that in the word of God that we stick to. But what if God is revealing something to you today that you haven't experienced prior to this moment? Are you open to it? And so they pull them aside and said, I want to explain the way of God more accurately. He only knew the baptism of John is what Scripture tells us. This immediately prompted Aquila and Priscilla to expound on God's plan for his life. So even though Apollos loved God, had these talents, had these gifts, and was had opportunity ministering for God, God had something more for him, something that would build on what he's already had. John the Baptist preached repentance, baptism unto repentance, and believing on him who would come after John the Baptist. This is what John the Baptist preached. He was a forerunner. He was a forerunner to Jesus. We actually it was in the, one of the, the, we sang a little bit about this. And, but he was a forerunner to Jesus Christ. Meaning, they're coming out of the Old Testament, out of animal sacrifice, out of a blood system where you'd have a mercy seat and a high priest. And the high priest himself in the New Testament was going to be Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ has not yet made his public ministry known. He's not yet moving about the country and doing what he's he's looking to do and accomplish. And so there was a bridge, there was a gap between the Old Testament and Jesus. And who was that person? It was John the Baptist. He shows up and the first message he preaches is repent, repent, Jesus's first message is repent, repent. And John starts baptizing people Unto repentance, saying, If you're ready to change your mind, then I'm gonna baptize you so that there's a fresh new way. But the problem is, there had been no sacrifice on the cross yet, there had been no bloodshed, there wasn't anything to wash away sins. It was a mindset change, it was baptism unto repentance. Right. And so, Apollos is like, Hey, I only know John's baptism. You need to repent. I know God. And, and, and it's a baptism unto repentance. John's entire message was calling people based on getting people ready for the Savior. The Messiah was coming near. And in John 1, 27 through 29, it says, though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy, John says, to be his slave, to untie the straps of his sandal. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. The next day, John comes and says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Why? Because in the Old Testament, the lamb was the one where the blood was shed. and It was poured on the mercy seat. He would have known when he's talking to this predominantly Jewish audience, when he says, this guy's the lamb of God that's going to take away the sin of the world. He knew exactly what he was saying. We don't need to be in that animal sacrifice. He's going to be the once and for all sacrifice. In John 3, 30, think about it. John's got this public ministry. Crowds are gathering to hear him. He's a he's, he's pretty successful guy in that day and age. But it says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of this earth. We speak of earthly things. He has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. He testifies about what he's seen and heard, but now few people believe what he tells them. He was willing to say, even though... I have this public ministry, this public following. He's going, I'm willing to take a step backward because I want you to know this isn't about me. It's about the one coming after me. And he's referring to Jesus Christ. As tempting as it is, ministry must, our calling must never become about me, my glory, my anointing, my name. The more powerfully used of God you are, the more people will want to exalt your personal name. The more God uses you to do and accomplish, the more crowds of people will gather around you and, and ask you about things and, and say, that was great. That was incredible. You're powerful. You're amazing. You're incredible. You're a great speaker. You're this, you're that. And after a while you can go, man, yeah, you know, I am pretty good, but it's not about me. This has always been about him, his kingdom, his power, his anointing, his glory. This happened several times in the New Testament where the apostles are part of something that God does something incredible through them. And the people around them are like, make them king. We worship them. Elevate them. It didn't just happen to Paul. It happened to Peter, too. In Acts 10, 25, Peter entered his home. Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. Now, I don't know. You know, you might be like, well, this is pretty cool. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I am a human being just like you. I'm not worthy of worship. I am not a God. Not for one second am I going to take God's glory. I really, I really enjoy being around people who are aiming for excellence and growing and doing things well and following the leading in the spirit of God and the voice of the Lord, but don't read their own press clippings. Man, I like being around people who don't read their own press clippings. Powerful ministries modeled by John. We must personally decrease so God can increase. We know the power we possess as someone who prepares the way, because I believe in some ways we're stepping into that role of John, where we go, you know what? I believe that God wants to use someone's life in a conversation with me. I might be the forerunner to what Christ wants to do. And I want to be the conduit that he flows through to get their heart ready to, to really receive his spirit and have their life changed. I want to point people to Jesus that's what John was doing. It's not about me. I'm pointing to him. I want to do the same thing. It's not about me. I want to point you to him. John knew that pointing people to Jesus was gonna give them greater depth and greater spiritual experiences. Matthew 3, 11, he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater, I'm not worthy even to be a slave and carry his sandals. He's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Meaning I'm baptized, he, he clarified there's a difference here. He's saying, I'm doing this, but he's going to take it further than where I've taken it. Apollos needed more than what he had already experienced, even though he was teaching and speaking good things and he was, you know, headed the right direction and probably making a great difference in a lot of people's lives. Aquila and Priscilla says, hold on, there's something lacking here. He only knows John's baptism And so there's something a little bit more than this. And as effective as Apollos was at convincing Jews to follow Jesus, he had not personally experienced the Acts chapter 2 fulfillment. And here we are 2,000 years later, and there still are eloquent Christian leaders in our world. But they still have not experienced the fullness of what Jesus Christ has for them. Notice Aquila and Priscilla didn't walk up and be like, you're a fool, man. You're n- I can't even sit here and listen to you because we are so much more spiritual than you are. We've experienced things you haven't experienced. So honestly, we should be the ones up there preaching. You need to sit down. Nobody wants that around. They walked up, pulled him aside and said, hey, probably sound, I wish I could have heard the conversation, but I can only imagine based on what I read about their spirit and the way they did things. And Apollos' response, it probably sounded like, I love what you're doing. I love the message. I love this. But you know, there's something else that I want to show you because I think God wants to build upon where you're at. He wants to give you even greater experience, even greater revelation. And what if Paul go, Apollos goes, no, nah, I'm not interested. I already got my speaking uh, uh, lined up. My gigs are lined up for a while. No, I pray we're always going, God, if you have something for me, I want more. I want to go deeper. Reveal it to me, Jesus. And so when he's specifically asking about John's baptism, I, I bring this home right front and center in our front yard. What if you were baptized today a certain way and you felt like it was good for you in that time, but then God revealed something to you today and said he had more for you? Do we say, nah, not interested? Or do we go, yeah, if you show me in scripture, if this is the word of God for my life, you better believe I want it. What if God called you to be rebaptized today? Well, that's preposterous. Is it? What if God was calling you to do it today? would you just write it off as not a big deal would you be afraid to get rebaptized thinking somehow that being rebaptized will cheapen or belittle the intentions of why you did it the first time you know i have a lot of people that will tell me things like My great-grandparent taught me this. My uncle, my aunt, my grandpa, my mom, they invested this in me, and so I can't ever change because if I do, I'm going against family tradition, family teaching. You may have been baptized a certain way, and you're arguing that this method or the name of the baptism is good enough. But like Apollos, they said, before you can lead others to greater depth and knowledge and relationship with God, Aquila and Priscilla said, God has something more for you too. And if you get rebaptized based on something you see in Scripture that maybe you didn't see before or maybe a family member didn't see before, this does not mean that you are betraying your grandparents or your parents who taught you something else. This does not mean that your previous baptism, your previous method of baptism, your spiritual experience, oh, it never meant anything. That would be very derogatory, very disrespectful for me to tell you that in your spiritual journey, whatever happened prior to this moment, it was just worthless. No doubt, like Apollos, God's spoken to you. He's done things in your life. He's, you, 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 in good attention, said, hey, I want to I do something. I want to respond. I want to live for God. And so in that moment, you stepped forward and did something. But If it wasn't the way that now Jesus has laid out in his scripture, there's nothing wrong with going, wow, okay, I didn't see this. That was part of my journey. Blocks were laid on a foundation that I'm still standing on. But if God has something even greater for me and even a a more even biblical experience than what I even knew at that point, then I want that. That's why scripture says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. They might, family might not have seen something in scripture. And you're here going today, hang on, I've never seen this before. If it's in the word of God, I want to align with it. I want that for myself. Those things before today, they were building blocks. Things that have shaped you, formed you, developed you, brought you to this moment. But don't stop short if God has something more for you. Anything God has done in your life prior to this moment has brought you to this moment right now. Aquila and Priscilla did not tell Apollos that everything prior to that moment was a waste of time. They did not say that. They just explained something to him where, said, hey, you can build on these previous experiences. And I know that you were baptized under John's baptism, but let me explain something to you. And if you're here going, I don't know about any of this, I would be as leery as you are, as skeptical as you are, unless I had scripture because up to this moment I'm talking about rebaptism and I have not given you scripture for it. So you might be going, eh, "Eh, I'm not sure." And I totally agree with your skepticism until I show you this. Acts chapter 19, it comes to pass while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coasts came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, I guess I Okay, we're in KJV. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Now, there's some people today that will say, you received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the minute you believe. I don't see that in scripture because if that's the case, then Paul may have just asked the stupidest question in human history. If you get the Holy Ghost, the minute you believe, then he doesn't have to say, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? But no, that's not, it's not that's not, there, there's, a, there's a response there. God gives us the sign of, you will speak with other tongues. That's exactly the way it happens throughout the, the New Testament. But he says, have you received the Holy Ghost? And he says unto them, we haven't even heard about whether there be a Holy Ghost. Got to appreciate their honesty, right? And he said unto them, well then, unto what then were you baptized? And they proudly say, we were baptized unto John's, leave it right there, unto John's baptism. Well, hang on. This is the same baptism that Apollos was baptized unto. We just read about it. Apollos was baptized into John's baptism. Luke had to, had, He had to let us know that. And now we're reading about believers that are in Ephesus that Paul's traveling through and he's going, hey, have you received the Holy Ghost? We don't know about the Holy Ghost. Well, then who's baptized? We were baptized under John's baptism. I mean, Apollos is preaching about it too. We are baptized into that baptism. Then said Paul in verse 4, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. No derogatory, not, oh, that was worthless. Oh, I hope you enjoyed the ham and rolls because that was nothing. It was worth no, it was nothing like that. He says, hey, let me tell you, that was important for that day. John baptized under repentance, saying unto the people they should believe on him that's coming after him. That is on Christ Jesus. So he's making this connection going. He, he baptized. It was a method that was needed for that moment. He was saying, here's where we are. There's one coming after me, and this is going to prepare the way, which is what his role was anyway. But he said it was pointing to Christ. In verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized. Hang on a second. I thought they were already baptized. They were rebaptized another time because they understood. Whoa, I wish it would get to me. There's no doubt. The scripture does not record every word of every conversation. There, no doubt, he probably went in, explained this a little bit more, taught it to them. But he, he says, listen, John baptized. It was a baptism of repentance. It was pointing to Jesus Christ. And they went, whoa, that's right. Jesus Christ is God manifest in flesh. There was bloodshed on a cross. There's a name now. And so they said, you know what? That baptism was important in that moment of my life. That baptism prepared me for this moment on this day. But they knew that something needed to happen, that you you couldn't just be baptized unto repentance. That was for that moment, but now there was a name. And so they said, we got to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? He's the one that shed the blood. He's the one that paid the price on Calvary. He's the one that was the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. Before that, it was just a mental ascent. Hey, I'm going to try and live right. i got to get on going on the right path. Now it's no. When I go down in that water, I call the name of Jesus Christ, the one who took on flesh, the one who shed innocent blood on a cross so that I could have eternal life. And when Paul had laid his hands, so then he lays his hands on him and the Holy Ghost comes upon him. Well, how do we know that? Scripture tells us they spoke with tongues. That's the biblical evidence that someone had been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. In verse seven says the total of these men was about 12. So let me get this right. The apostle Paul was so passionate about baptism in Jesus' name that he stopped everything he was doing to, to speak this message and stop and just baptize 12 men? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because for him, it wasn't just majoring in minors. It's not a big deal for him. It was a method of salvation when they were willing to open their hearts and lay down their pride, because anybody they could have said, Apollos, these 12, I was baptized into John's baptism. It probably was a privilege in that day to be baptized by John himself. They could have said, are you kidding me? No, but they were introduced to a way more perfect. They were baptized not just unto repentance, but in a name, and the Bible puts emphasis on a name. I know sometimes churches might sprinkle water on your head, that that and you and you said i want that i responded to that moment thank God for the foundation that was laid. But scripturally, the root word of the Greek word bapto, baptism, it means to immerse, to plunge, to dip. That Jesus Christ in Matthew 3, 16, it says he straightway came up out of the water. Christ himself was baptized by immersion. When they started baptizing in Jerusalem, it said they did it in process because there was much water there. If all you had to do was sprinkle, then why would it make, why would they put an emphasis on there was a lot of water in that place? I mean, they wouldn't need that. With this much water, I could, baptize every single one of you. If it was sprinkling, but he called us to a method, and then he gave us a name. And again, some churches say, I in the, in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And I appreciate that, that there's a hunger for God, that there's a desire for spiritual things. But that's not what I see in scripture. There's one verse in scripture in Matthew 28, 19, where it says, go ye therefore baptize in them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But then we go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter two, and what do they do? And they start baptizing everybody in the name of Jesus Christ. There was no confusion, not one soul, anywhere in the Bible was ever baptized in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, that's no disrespect to anybody that's baptized in that method. Maybe you're here and going, my well, man, that's the way I was baptized. I was baptized by a sprinkling, or I was baptized in the titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's fine. God has built a foundation. God, you responded to things in God, but scripturally, they were baptized by immersion. The water covered them. And we can go deep, 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 deep into that. you got to get a Bible study because God made promises to Abraham. And then in the New Testament, Paul says we can be heirs to the promises that Abraham had. And it connects it to being buried with him in baptism. I've never gone to a funeral where somebody takes a casket and just throws one piece of dirt on it and goes, Now let's go, let's go eat. And they leave it and just one clump of dirt is on the top of the coffin. To be buried, you're put in the ground, and it submerges you. It covers up your body. If I'm going to be buried with him in baptism, that water's got to cover me up, right. not just sprinkle on my head. Yeah. And every person that was baptized in the New Testament, they were baptized by immersion and not in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They were baptized in the name, even, even in Matthew 20 and 18, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. What's the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Jesus. And so there's power in the name. Jesus literally means Jehovah, the Old Testament God, has or is become our salvation. Jesus literally means salvation. There's there's power in that name. There's salvation literally in that name. And that's why Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If they're connecting this to salvation, This is not an argument. This is not meant to be disrespectful to what grandparents or previous churches or previous religious experiences were. This is not meant to be that. I respect what God has done in your life to bring you to this moment. But if you have never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, if you've never been immersed in water and buried with him in baptism, as Romans says, you can do that today. Day. There's clean, warm water. There's clothes to change in. And hear me when I say, in the you might say, well, let me pray about this. I don't mean this to be disrespectful. But you might as well pray about something more important. Well, what do you mean more important? I thought this was important. This is salvation. But you know what you pray about? God, do you want me to take this job or that job? God, should I buy this house or that house? God, should I marry this person or that person? Those are the things you pray about. When God says in his word, here's my plan. Here's what I want you to do. This is the way I want you to do it. I don't have to pray about anything. It's already clearly spelled out in his word. It's now time to just obey. It's now time to just say, I want to get myself in line with what you're laying out for me, God. So if you're here and you've never done this, I'm telling you, you got nothing to pray about. It's in the word of God. And so... He says, neither is there un- uh, uh, salvation. It's a salvation thing, the name of Jesus. And then in Philippians 2, 10, and 11, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is the Father. Jesus Christ is the Son. Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. And so when I go into the waters of baptism. I don't want to talk about the roles that he is. We're not going to baptize in the name of the provider, in the name of Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Oh, the God, the Father, God, the Son. No. All of that is encapsulated in one name, and that is salvation. In the name of Jesus, I baptize you for the remission of every sin, of every mistake. There's power in the name. And Aquila and Priscilla announced this and introduced this to Apollos, who was doing everything he can as a man of God. And Paul introduced it to the Ephesian believers. I want you to know I can't say it more clearly. The method and the name of baptism really do matter. And I don't say that because, oh, in your church they believe that. In your denomination they believe that. Throw all that out the window. I say it because the Bible says it. The Bible put out emphasis on it. I want a Bible experience. If Bible people were getting baptized in that way, in that method, in that name, I don't want something that someone else created a couple hundred or thousand years after the time of Christ. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to build on that. And if you're here going, man, I've just never seen this before. Let me show you. Let's keep looking. This is what God's plan is for your life. Remember, God has a plan for your life. He wants to build on where you're at. Don't try to reason this away. Don't try to put pride in the way. This matters. It did throughout the Bible. It still matters today. Undoubtedly, the way of God more perfectly for Apollos, it's the same thing that we read throughout the New Testament book of Acts. And Acts 19 is exactly what we read about in Acts 2. Paul is preaching the exact same message that Peter preached in Acts 2. Paul says, have you received the Holy Ghost? We don't even know about the Holy Ghost. Well, really? Well, who's baptism? Well, John's baptism. Well, hell, you know what? But that baptism did this. It was under repentance. But this points to Christ. Christ now has shed blood. Now there's a name. They said, my goodness, where's water? I got to get baptized. And they were all baptized in the name of Jesus and then received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Let's go back and read. What did Peter preach? He preached a whole message about Jesus. They were pricked in their heart in Acts 2.30. They said, What are we supposed to do with this? This is powerful stuff. Peter stands up and says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. He put a method with it, he put a name. Peter said the same thing Paul did. He says, You know what you want to do right now? Get baptized. You know how you get baptized? In the name of Jesus Christ. Because there's a name. And he says, in the name of Jesus, and you shall receive that gift of the Holy Ghost. And then he says, this is a promise. It's not just for you. It's for your kids. It's for the generation still to come. 2023, we're still the generation that's still to come. God's still pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. He's still calling people to be baptized in his name, in the name of Jesus by immersion. And so if Peter preached in Acts 2, Paul preached in Acts 19, I'm going to still preach the exact same thing in Acts, in, 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 in Acts 29, which is where we're living. There's 28 chapters. We're the 29th. We're living the book of Acts. Those rest of those books, there's conclusions. Greet them. Say hello. I'll see you later. In Acts, it just ends. Just boom. Just stops. Why? Because there wasn't an end. Because we are the continuation of the book of Acts. And so we know for a fact, and I'm just about done, that Apollos experienced full salvation that he began preaching the same message that we read in Acts 2 and Acts 19. Because when Paul said members of the Corinthian church claimed to be converts of Paul, others were converts of Apollos and others were converts of Christ. He emphasized one thing. He said, some of you are saying I'm a follower of Christ. Others are saying I'm a follower of Apollos or Peter or Christ. Has has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified? Were, Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? No. What was Paul saying there. He's saying, of course not, because we know in this church, the way I do things that we read about in Acts 19 is they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so Apollos understood the way more perfect it built upon where he was at Ministry wasn't about one man or another. Response wasn't about what I was taught or experienced. It's always about what is God's plan for my life. And ministry is setting self aside. Believers need to set pride aside. If we do that, there can be unity in the body, unity in the message, even in baptism. God's plan was for there to be unity, unity not only in purpose, but even in the name Paul writes to the Ephesian church in chapter four, there is one body and one spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. It wasn't meant to be like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. You do your way, I do my way. We all have our thing. We just kind of, he said there's supposed to be one baptism. Yeah, but how do you know yours is right? Because it's the way they did it in the Bible. Because they baptized by immersion in Jesus' name all throughout the New Testament. And so for me, it's not a disrespect to any other man or woman of God, other denomination to what you've experienced prior to this moment. But if this is God's plan, then what would keep you from responding? Because there's an invitation from him To wash away your sins in the powerful, the precious, the life-changing name of Jesus Christ. Yeah, but I've thought I've been fine. I've been living this away a while. It seems weird now. No, it doesn't. Apollos was preaching, traveling. People were coming to hear him. He was teaching about God. God. I'll never forget. Didn't ask permission. Hopefully he's all right. I had asked Brother Kirby. The Kirby was raised in a minister's home, Pentecostal background. I assumed we were all on the same page. They're faithful here for a couple, I don't even know, maybe a couple years at that point. I said, Brother Kirby, we're doing some rotations in a deeper waters portion before. It's kind of like a small Sunday school portion. I said, would you teach on baptism in the Bible? He says, yeah, yeah. And so he starts studying. He calls me up. He says, I don't don't know if you want me to teach this lesson. He says, because in my study of this, He said, I realized that I was not baptized the biblical way. I said, "Uh, uh, what? (laughs) He said, yeah, I haven't been baptized in the name of Jesus. (laughs) And I said, well. So what do you think now? He says, I see this. I see it in Scripture. He said, I want to be baptized Wednesday night, and he says, I don't know what you want to do about Sunday. I said, here's what I want to do. I said, get up and teach the lesson. Tell the church what it was you saw in the Scripture that brought a revelation to your heart and to your mind that said, this is important, and even though I've been, he could have said, I've been coming here for years, I'm already serving, I'm doing this. I loved his humble spirit that said, there's no chance that I'm going to miss out on something that I see in scripture. Put the pride aside, and he got up on that Sunday, and he shared a beautiful message just days after he himself was baptized in Jesus' name, and he got to tell the church about why it's important. And I love, I love not only what he did and his response, but I loved his spirit in that. And I pray I'll always have that spirit. God, I've never arrived. Keep, keep correcting. Keep changing. Keep challenging. Keep growing. Keep reaching to me. Keep molding me. Keep shaping me. Please don't ever give up on me, God. Keep making me what you want me to be, Jesus. And in this here this is a salvation thing. This is huge stuff. And so God always, he, you know, oh yeah, God, God wants to do something in this service. I believe that every time I come to church. But this morning, wee hours in the morning, I was up a couple times and God spoke to me specifically and I I've, I've focused on this today because God spoke this. He said, I'm reaching for someone who has been previously baptized and I'm calling for them to be rebaptized in the name of Jesus. And so, if no one chooses to do that, doesn't make what God spoke me wrong. Because the ball's in your court right now. And God is reaching to you on a very big issue. And He wants you to take on His name. Why? Because even in marriage. The Bible says baptism; it's entering into a covenant. It's a covenant relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. There's no name there, but when you get baptized, when you get married, do you take on? My wife took on; my name. her last name's Dornbach. We've entered into a covenant. This is my bride. When when do you become the bride of Christ? In the water. When do you take on the name? In the water this is where you say, now I'm entering into a covenant. I'm taking on his name and I'm walking with him as a part of the bride of Christ. Would you stand to your feet? And I'm inviting you, even if you're here going, yeah, I've done that. Got no problem with that. I think that we should find a place to pray, that we could pray, thank you, God, that you've revealed these things to me. I pray, Lord, please reveal this to every church everywhere. It, again, doesn't make, oh, we're better than them, we're better, no, 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 none of that. It's simply, I believe, based on scripture, that there's revelation here about what God wants to do and speak and accomplish. in Every church, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, one Spirit. We, that's the God. He wants that unity in that. And again, I know you might say, man, I didn't come here thinking about being baptized. But from what I see in Scripture, do you know I never, ever read about a delayed baptism? Some churches will do Baptism Sunday. This is Baptism Sunday. Next Sunday's Baptism Sunday. The following Sunday's next Baptism. Why? Because I don't ever read about anyone in Scripture that going, man, that was great. It was always, hey, come up here teaches the eunuch he said stop the chariot there's water what keeps me from getting baptized this is the story of scripture anytime somebody saw something it was find the closest body of water and let's do this it was let me pray about it can I plan this for the next quarter I never ever ever see that anywhere in scripture no delayed baptisms so you might have came in today going I really wasn't planning this but if God's reaching to you He wants to wash away your sins today. He wants you to take on his name to be a part of the bride and the body of Christ. I invite you to find a place right now. And if you're here and that's you going, man, I I really think I need to do that. You just come see me. We have a team that helps you, shows you where to go, where to change, private area, clothes to change into. We have it all set for you. Clean, warm water, if that's what God's calling you to do. Oh, God, help us. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for your word, which clarifies things, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thanks for making your plan clear, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.